Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome in to your first Scrambled Eggs of 2023. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you on CrackedSidewalks.com. Uh, it's been a minute since we last spoke, had the holidays. Phil, how were your holidays? Um, Action-packed and enjoyable and uh, at times stressful, but good. How about yours? Very nice. Get to see some family and whatnot and had a lot of good sports to watch, including what happened on New Year's Eve. Uh, it's been a while since we last spoke. We're not going to dive too much into the games that are like over a week old but since we last had a podcast Marquette lost at Providence then went on the road on the 27th and beat Seton Hall and then had a big win on New Year's Eve at Villanova and then we're also going to look ahead to the week coming up road game at St. John's and then the scuffling Georgetown Hoyas come to Milwaukee on Saturday January 7th. Beware of the fighting Patrick Ewing's. Yeah, we'll talk about them in a little bit. Uh, but uh, let's first start with uh, basically where Marquette is right now, Phil. Uh, as we get past the holidays and start 2023, Marquette is 3-1 and one in the Big East, 11-4 and four overall. And boy, um, after that frustrating Providence loss, which uh, I, I, I hate being a, a person who talks about officiating in, in games because I think no matter how the game goes or what the calls are, if that you blame that. On the loss, you sound like a loser, but boy, that Providence game was maddening the way it was called. But still, Marquette rebounded and got two wins after that. Really dominated uh, Seton Hall on the 27th. And uh, Shaka wins again at Finneran Pavilion. Uh, one of the tougher places to play in the Big East, maybe in all of college basketball. Villanova almost never loses there. Big win yesterday. And I guess uh, I'll start there, Phil. Let's just start with the Villanova win. And I, I'm, I'm just calling it the Stevie Mitchell game. Because yeah, boy, his his, his best per- as we all predicted, right? Yeah, yeah. As we, you know, it was funny during the uh, Seton Hall game. You know, he, he, Stevie made a couple nice plays, and I tweeted something like, "We probably don't tw- talk about Stevie Mitchell enough because he's been a really good player defensively." Uh, and then he does something on Saturday that gives us plenty of things to talk about, both defensively and especially offensively, as he had a career high. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see that he. You know, I think he's easily overlooked simply because he doesn't collect the flashy stats, right? He's not a go-to scorer. You know, quite frankly, I think if we were power ranking offensive production on this team, he's probably, what, seventh, eighth, like, on the roster? And not as a knock against him. It's just there are other options that have typically been um, come to the fore, you know, over him. And, well, he just decided to go back to, to Pennsylvania and be like, yeah, guys, I can score too. And it was great. It was thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, he just looks so poised. And maybe it was having all the family and friends there in attendance that uh, lifted him up. But, I mean, his team needed him because there wasn't a whole lot of offense from a whole lot of others. Because I mean, uh, Oso had foul trouble, so not his best game, partly because of um, – the first, you know, he sat out a lot of the first half with two fouls, and then uh, I, I, funny thing is he actually finished with two fouls. So we right. didn't get another one after that, but still, uh, 
didn't get a whole lot offensively from Oso in that game. Didn't get a whole lot offensively from Omax. Uh, Cam Jones hit a few big shots, but everyone else was in single-digit scoring-wise. But uh, Stevie Mitchell just hit big shot after big shot, kept Marquette in the game, and then uh, hit some shots down the stretch that were able allowed him to uh, pull it away. So, you know, it's good to have a, a guy step up when um, when you need it. And and that was, a, a, a I think, maybe kind of a tipping point for Marquette if we're still talking about possibly finishing the top three in the Big East. you got to win games like that because you're not going to get to the top of the league by just winning the games you're favored in. Yeah, well, and you you got to win the tough game. And, and this broke the streak. Um, right. in, a, in a number of ways, right? That was the first game this season Marquette has won while trailing at halftime. Um, this was the first game that they won by less than double digits. Uh, so they won by two in this game. I think previously they were, uh, I, I, I know you tweeted, but it was something like 0-4, you know. Yeah, the, in games decided by 10 or more, 11-0. and 0, yep. um, and, or, Yeah, was it 12-0 and 0 now? Uh, yeah, so yeah, in game... In games decided by ten or more, they were ten and zero, and in games decided by nine or less, zero and four. Right. So they're now one and four, and, and which is, yes. I think, kind of what we were waiting to see if this team could close, you know, close out a tight game. That was to me one of the big question marks, and to do it in that kind of venue, yes, Villanova is a is a bit of a shadow of its former self right now. Um, you know, let's let's not kid ourselves. That's not an outstanding Villanova team that that we just beat at the Finneran, but they're still, you know, they're still a good team. You know, top half of the Big East in a very tough yeah. They're I mean, play. they're a tournament quality team. They're not a Final Four team, like uh, which is what we've essentially been used to with Villanova under Jay Wright. Uh, and uh, since Cam Whitmore has come back. Uh, from his surgery, Villanova's been pretty good. Uh, they were favored in the game. Um, and I, I still think Villanova will have enough to finish in the top half of the Big East and be a tournament team, especially if they get Justin Moore back. That's still kind of a – they're kind of keeping that on the hush-hush of whether he's coming back. I still think they're still deciding if it's worth it for him, if he's going to be ready or not. But if they get Justin Moore back uh, – They'll be a strong team. They'll be a team I don't think people would want to face in March. But um, yeah, to your point, Phil. That you know, when you normally talk about going to Pennsylvania and taking on Villanova, you're talking about usually taking on a top ten team with Final Four aspirations. That's not what this team is, but they are a competitive upper tier team in the Big East. Yeah, and 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 I think what the other thing that was really telling about this game and. And to a certain extent, the the Seton Hall game as well was um, the defense stepped up. Now, I, I you know if you look at Kempom, it's not like the defensive numbers are improving in terms of efficiency and stuff like that. But there were definitely moments in both the Seton Hall and certainly the second half of the Villanova game where where the defense just kind of went to another level. That if that were a level that they could they could sustain for significant portions of games, this would be a very dangerous team. So I, I think that was the other thing that was really nice about the game was it wasn't like Marquette got into a, a you know, a, a shooting contest with Villanova and came away with the win. Um, the offense definitely stagnated a little bit, but the defense, you know, turned Villanova over they, you know, generated 13 turnovers, which I think Villanova is averaging something like nine or 10 on the season. So they, they you know, they forced them to, to commit more turnovers than they might otherwise commit. 
And and there were certainly a couple of times where uh, <laughs> there were some calls that could have gone for offensive fouls that that would have been additional turnovers. But the defense being able to put the clamps on and 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 kind of create significant numbers of possessions where where Villanova was not scoring, I think is a very positive sign because you know if they're starting to develop that defensive tenacity. Um, you know, we've got a lot of runway yet in this season for them to continue to grow. Maybe they're on the way to developing a, a very strong defensive, you know, they're blooming into their di- defensive identity. Um, so that, that'll be interesting. I don't know. What did, what did you think of the defensive effort? Well, see, the, the thing is, you look at the, um, the, if you have not watched Marquette this season, and you just look at the Ken Palm stats, you would think this. You would say, "Well, this is an elite offensive team that doesn't guard anybody." Right. Um, and, and like watching the team, like, and I get it, I because they they're they're not like great defensively for forty minutes every game, but I still think this is a team that sets the tone for games on the defensive end. And when they are guarding at a high level and guarding with intensity, those are their best games. Those are the games when they tend to blow people out, like Baylor. Um, and, you know, when they blew out uh, Creighton as well. So when this team is at its best, I still think it's a defensively oriented team. I just think it's some of those lapses that is that have uh, knocked them down in the metrics to where they, gosh, they're 71st in Ken Palm defensively. Yep. Um, that's, it, like, like I guess that I mean, it is what it is. I, I just, watching the team as much as I do I, I feel like they're better than that defensively um, but you know I guess the, the numbers are what they are maybe they're not as elite defensively as I would like to believe um, yeah, yeah maybe they do have lapses sometimes and uh, teams do take advantage of mismatches on them at times but uh, I I still think this is a team that when it's at its best is the, their best games they have or when they really lock in and really crank up the intensity on defense and they you know they can do that it's just a matter of how often they will right right exactly and and how how much they can sustain it because there are there are certain lineups that i think are uh, that lend themselves to the more defensive oriented the de, de, more defensive oriented um s- state of affairs and and i think it would be good to kind of call out chase ross here I think he's been a bit of a revelation over the last couple of games. I think I think he's been quietly good all season, um, but but just his defensive prowess, his offensive ability, you know, certainly had a you know eight points. You say eh, not not a lot of scoring against Villanova, but it was it was timely score buckets. Got a couple of threes. Um, is really you know already probably one of our better on the ball defenders. I, I mean, I would say. Stevie Mitchell is our is our best on ball defender, and then I would put Chase Ross and and maybe maybe you know Tyler Kolick somewhere around uh, you know some combination of two and three on that list, and and so I think Chase's development as a freshman um, is really helping this team kind of start to, to maybe maybe start to be able to do these defensive things um, with different lineups. You know, we joked a little bit, um, you know, Chase sent out a tweet like in the preseason, like over the summer, said something to the effect of, I feel like Marquette's forgot about me or something because like no one tweets about him. And you know what? 
He's backing it up. I gotta say, right. <laughs> like he's bringing more to the table than I think a lot of people thought he would this year. Uh, and I don't think anybody's forgetting about him now because yeah, like he doesn't play a lot of minutes. He is a freshman. Uh, he, there are guys ahead of him rotation wise, but he has the fact that he is a rotation player and not just a guy who comes in in garbage time. Uh, certainly speaks to how he has been able to carve out a role on this team. And I said during the game on Saturday that all Chase Ross does is come in and give you good minutes. Right. Like, yeah, he may not score a bunch of points. He may not make the highlight reels with, with dunks or anything, but he he plays good defense. He is poised, and he's never, like, sped up offensively, which you can see from young players sometimes. Like, they get in the game, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the game now. i got, I got to make a play. Uh, like, oh, I got the ball now. Uh, what do I do? But he's never sped up or never rushed. He is calm and poised out there, and he makes good decisions. If he's if he's open, he'll take the shot. If he sees a lane uh, space to drive the lane and get an, a lip, he's going to do it and do it confidently. And I, I just, he doesn't make many. He doesn't really make freshman mistakes, is I guess what I'm saying. He doesn't go out there. You're never nervous when Chase is out there. Yes, uh, usually when Chase is in, he's uh, giving a breather to somebody else. It's because. Omax is on the bench, or Kolick is on the bench, or Cam Jones is on the bench, and you need somebody else in that spot. Uh, and then when that guy gets his rest, he's probably going back in the game, and, and Chase is going back to the bench. But you're never nervous that Chase is in there, right? Like, right. Like, well, All right and, Chase is in, right? And, well, and on top of that, I mean, look at the end of the game, right? Stevie Mitchell fouled out in the last, and and it was good to see us play smart basketball at the end of. The, pun kind of intended uh, at the end of the game against Villanova, right? Where we had fouls to give. So we started fouling. Unfortunately, Stevie Mitchell fouled out as a result, but you then saw Chase Ross come in uh, in place right. of Stevie at the end of the game, which I, you know, one shows, you know, Shaka has confidence in the young man to put him in, in a very tense situation that could have gone, you know, disastrously wrong. Um, and you know the the iron was was kind to Marquette as a result in that last possession, um, but putting Chase in that kind of position means he's maturing and and the staff has confidence in him, and so I think I think that's that's encouraging to see because that what that what that means is we've got a long season we're still going to play seven eight nine players in a given game, but what that means is he can continue to develop in those minutes over the rest of the season and then if we if we go a little bit shorter on the bench right if if we go to seven eight players assuming we get to an ncaa tournament game right we've got we've got condensed minutes we've got experience you know i think chase will probably be if we get to an ncaa tournament i think the way things are shaping up i think chase probably ends up being the first player off the bench uh by the time we get towards the end of the season as opposed to to David Joplin, who's been the primary sixth man. I, I think we're going to start to see a little bit of a sea change there, unless David, as this account refers to him now, uh, really picks up his, his defensive intensity. Yeah, I, I think it almost is kind of an offense-defensive uh, situation as far as who comes off the bench there, or maybe you know matchups as far as size. But um, you know, I know towards the end of that game against Villanova, I think everyone was like, "Well, we we, we need Chase in there. Like he's the better defender and he's quicker." Uh, whereas maybe if you're playing a team with a little more size, need some rebounding, or you you know you really need a three pointer. You know, maybe you want Joplin in there because he, he is still a great shooter, even though he did not have his best game against Villanova. Um, 
it, it may depend on matchups, but again, I think Chase is like the safest guy coming off the bench, right? Right. He, again, he doesn't make dumb mistakes. He doesn't get overwhelmed out there, uh, and he he will play good defense. And yeah, he he can get a bucket here or there for you. And he he's a guy who he's a role player now. He will eventually be a starter. When I I don't know when that will be, depending on how the roster shakes out over the next couple. I would think Chase would certainly be a starter by the time he's a junior. Maybe comes next year. I don't know. We'll have to see how things shake out there, but. Uh, he has a role now and he is doing it brilliantly. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I think he's gonna, I think he's going to really develop. I mean, Chase may be the next kind of Marquette star, right? Like the, you know, and I, I don't mean star in the sense like national, you know, known name, but like, I think at some point, whether it's next year, junior, year, whatever it may be, I think, I think Chase breaks out to be, the man the way you know Oso Iguodaro or Tyler Kolick are right now could be could be he has he has potential if there's so much youth on this team you could say that about a lot of guys uh, on this true. roster but he's showing his Stevie Mitchell absolutely showed his uh not you know, we broke down him enough I, I think already but the, uh, worth noting that is his first ever uh Ken Palm MVP of the game you know Ken Palm gives an MVP for every game that was his first Ken Palm MVP so he got it done uh great minutes from Ross off the bench um and yeah just a impressive effort overall Cam Jones had a great game shooting the ball he had 14 points so and yeah, uh, Joplin struggled. O- Oso never got in a rhythm because of the first half foul troubles. But uh, just proud of that effort going into Finneran Pavilion and coming out with a W. So now Marquette st- sits at 3-1 and one in the Big East. Uh, a-, a loss at Providence that you're still kicking yourself over, but you got to get over it and you got to move on. So uh, anything else about maybe the last week or so of games that you wanted to touch on? I know some of the games are old, old news now, but... Um, Anything else you want to touch on before we look to the week ahead? No, I, I think Marquette's sitting. I, I, the only the only thing I would I would comment on is I think Marquette's sitting exactly where you know maybe even better than we had hoped going into the season. But three and one through those first four games, yeah, you might kick yourself and say, hey, we we could have won. You know, we could have could have won that Providence game and been been four and zero in conference play. Um, but hey, look, you like you're going to run into tough games. You're going to you know, every once in a while, I suppose you run into a, a game with a free throw disparity of, of 30. Um, but, you, you know, where, where they're sitting now, as the as stuff we, happens, I guess. Right. Especially on the road. Right. And as we turn into turn into 2023, um, you know, I, I think the the key takeaways I have so far is one, this team is really fun to, to root for. Just like from a personality, from a style, from a you know an attitude and approach, it's great to root for them. And and this is a team that is, you know, we may on an individual game basis, you know, take Providence right the last six minutes of regulation, right? The the offense goes cold, the defense can't can't clamp down. Those sorts. Of, they may have moments where you get frustrated. Um, but overall, the the team is very sustainable. You can see exactly how this team is going to to continue to develop its success. So, you know, optimistic Phil is certainly in a very in a very positive place right now. 
Yeah, I, you know, yeah. We, you want them to win every game, but you have to realize they're not going to. If you're a person who uh, wants to burn the whole thing down after literally every loss, uh, be prepared to be miserable for every season for right. the rest of your lives. Right. Because losses are coming in the Big East every year. It's just the way it goes. Uh, they're 3-1. and one. Pretty happy with that. And now a good opportunity in this week to come here, Phil, to get to 5-1, and one, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, st- starts with St. John's on the road. Yeah, stuff happens on the road. Stuff certainly happened when we went to the building formerly known as the Dunk. But now we're going to New York to take on the Johnnies. I think early on, Phil, I think there's a pretty clear line between the teams I believe in and the teams I don't in the Big East. Mm-hmm. Right? When I say believe in, I think, you know, It'll be tough to go to their place. Uh, confident you beat them at our place. Uh, teams that I think can get into the tournament, and then below the line, it's teams I just don't believe in, and I, I think would be NIT at best. So that line. So you look at the Big East standings. Xavier obviously great. They're four and zero. Providence great. Four and zero. Connecticut just suffered their first loss uh, to Xavier. They're three and one. They're one of the top teams in the country. Then there's Marquette three and one. Creighton at two and one. Struggled without Kalkbrenner, but now that he's back, I still believe in them. Villanova. I'm not going to quit on them just yet. I think they, they'll hang around. Then I'm drawing the line. Seton Hall, not that impressed. Um, they're growing. We, we saw the game against Seton Hall. Marquette handled them pretty easily. St. John's is in that group with Seton Hall. They're 1-3. Butler, they're 1-3. Their one win came on Sunday over Georgetown. Then you got to Paul and Georgetown at the bottom. So St. John's, as getting back to my original point, is in that second group of the teams. I'm just not buying right now a team that i no matter where they play i think marquette can beat them yeah is how i look at at st john's yeah can they beat marquette of course they can they play a very fast tempo they're one of the i guess they're probably the only team in the big east that plays faster than marquette yeah um they are they they play literally faster than everyone in the country yeah they yeah they are number one in uh as far as uh, shortest possession length in the nation so uh but they are one in Three, they're actually led, uh, on a three-game losing streak in the Big East, um, losing to Nova, Xavier, and Seton Hall. So a tough stretch, but boy, they really got hammered by Seton Hall. Well, and uh, they, they lost and by they, twenty. The this, the 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 um, Xavier score is a little bit misleading. They've basically been hammered all three biggest games that they lost. Xavier, I think they they the final score was like five or or you know a four-point yes. differential. But eighty four seventy nine, yeah, yeah. So a five point differential. But Xavier was up, uh, you know, sixteen going into the uh, into the last last ten minutes of that game. So you can certainly make an argument, you know, hey, a bit of a last minute gasp or whatever. So that I don't think that score really reflects, you know, the uh, you know the true gap between those two teams. So St. John's has played three Big East games lost all three, and been hammered in all three. Um, it, it it can't fill one with confidence, I don't think. Now, they have some guards that are going to frustrate you. I think we all remember Posh Alexander. Uh, he's not shooting the ball well at all this season, but uh, he is a pest on defense. Uh, uh, Curbelo, uh, who was at Illinois, right? Yes, um, correct. Yep, he was on the yeah, Illinois so, team that we beat at home last year. 
yeah, so he's at St. John's this year. I mean, he's not having the best. He's not shooting. This team doesn't shoot the ball well at all from three, actually. Uh, they shoot the ball 31% from three, so not an elite three-point shooting team. They don't get to the line very much. Pretty good offensive rebounding team, though. So um, that is one area where if you're looking at where maybe Marquette would be a little nervous, it is one of Marquette's weaknesses is rebounding the basketball. So that is one thing that St. John's does well. Yeah, and, and and so I think there will be times in this game where we maybe get frustrated or, again, where we, we get a little nervous about this game, but but there's nothing St. John's does, you know, other than the rebounding, there's nothing that St. John's does, one, better than Marquette necessarily or where they've got a strength and Marquette's got a weakness. Um, and, and two... We, we just haven't seen St. John's play anyone of quality. And so, I'll, you know, until they started losing, quite frankly. Um, so I think some of the numbers which says, oh, St. John's, you know, St. John's is a top 80 offense. I don't know. Some of that's against, you know, lesser competition. So, um, you know, I'm not, I am I, always prepared for the, the fluky game or the weird upset or, you know, all of a sudden they're making everything and, and Marquette is missing everything. I like, I get that that can happen. Um, but there's nothing about St. John's that scares me like at all. Like I just don't, you know, even, even if we're talking about their pace, um, that doesn't scare me at all from St. John's. I mean, Marquette should be used to pace, right? And they got they Marquette has enough guys that can throw at you, right. right? Like it's not like Marquette's got a short bench, so if they do get run ragged a little bit, bring a few guys in, get those guys a rest, and get them back in. So, yeah, Marquette is not afraid to play fast. Um, yeah, I I think Marquette should match up pretty well with St. John's. Yeah, it, it will be a road game, so yeah, weird things happen on the road sometimes. Ken Palm has it as a two point spread. Uh, you know, I I would feel pretty confident that Marquette could go on the road and and beat the Johnnies. Quite frankly, it's just, yeah, it just you got to play your game. Don't turn the ball over and let that fast team play even faster and really wear you out. And you know, put together a, you know those really quick seven zero runs, eight zero runs, and have a bunch of them where you like all of a sudden you found yourself down double digits really early on the road. You, you, that's one thing. You, you, that's what you fear when you play a team that. Pl- play a team like St. John's that has some talent, but just ha- also hasn't shown it. And you want get them frustrated early too. And maybe you can get them, get the crowd out of it. And maybe you take control of this thing and, and I wouldn't say run away with it, but just be in a game where the victory is never really in doubt. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're playing at Karnet. How do you say Karnetska? Karnetka? Carnesecca. Carnesecca. Thank you. Good Lord. Um, you know, so bit of a bandbox, quirky place, but I'm actually less worried playing there than I am at, at MSG, um, quite frankly. And, and Marquette plays poorly at MSG. They have for years. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I don't, I don't like playing at MSG. Like, I don't, I don't like the way Marquette plays at MSG. I love the, the Big East tournament. Like, please sign a lifetime, you know, a, uh, a, a, an infinite contract with MSG to keep the Big East tournament there for for, for the rest of all time, um, but uh, you know I I'm not worried. And again, I I kind of feel like this St. John's program has once again 
scheduled really soft in the non-conference, built up a bunch of hope, uh, you know, a, bu a bunch of hope that they um, that they were actually good um, and are, are crashing the back. Year, the, the, the year that's been promised for like 20 years. Correct. This is the year St. John's gets it together. Right. And, and so I, th I think they're crashing back to earth again. I think this is, again, the fan base going, oh, another one of these. We, we, we convinced ourselves we were good and maybe we aren't, um, you know, because quite frankly, the, the highest rated Ken Palm team that uh, St. John's has beat is Nebraska and that they played Nebraska very early in the season, which is a somewhat different Nebraska than the playing now. So even that, the you know, an 82 in Ken Palm, Nebraska is, you know, is a different animal now than it was then. So I... You know, again, yeah. The right, the only out of conference, the only teams that are above 100 on Ken Palm that they've played are Nebraska and Syracuse. Like uh, playing Florida State probably looked like a good idea in the preseason, but they kind of stink right now. Yeah. Um, uh, Temple, again, that's a name, but they're outside of the uh, top 100 as well. So it's just, uh, yeah. Their non-con is very unimpressive, and yes, it has perhaps inflated uh, some of the good numbers they have. Yes, correct. So, so again, this is where you know it's Big East play. You have to take this this game seriously. You know, Marquette's a young team. I don't know that they've shown a propensity to you know to let up or let down necessarily. But hey, you got to be you got to be aware of that. But I think it's gonna. I think the bottom line is. For Marquette to lose this game, even on the road, it's going to take a combination of St. John's, you know, playing better than they've shown over the last, you know, close to a month. Um, and, you know, Marquette kind of letting up or or giving back. I think a, a St. John's loss here would actually be be kind of bad, like from from a Marquette perspective. Yeah, I mean, you can recover from it because there's a lot of lot of time to go. But yeah, like you would rather if you if you're serious about finishing in the top four or better in the Big East, St. John's is one of the teams you need to sweep. Right. And so you got to go to so you got to go in there win their place. My my only concern is their rebounding numbers. Uh, Joel Soriano, uh, their big man, he is number two in the country in defensive rebounding percentage and number forty two in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. So he's great on both ends of the floor rebounding the ball. Uh, and one of their top uh, guys, David Jones, uh, power forward, six six power forward. His offensive and defensive rebounding percentages are pretty good as well. So those two together. Um, will probably give Oso fits in the middle because Oso can't box them both out. Right. So uh, you need you need support from Omax. You need support from Joplin when he's in there, trying to keep those guys off the glass. Because I think that is the path to a loss for Marquette is the second chance points. This team may not shoot the ball well, but they're pretty good from two feet in. So you can't give them those easy putbacks. Everyone's good from two feet in. So you got to box these guys out and try to limit those second-chance opportunities. That's St. John's path to victory, honestly, is just dominating the glass and getting the easy ones. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If, if Marquette loses, it's because Marquette gave up a bunch of offensive rebounds and, and uh, as a consequence, a bunch of second-chance points. Yeah. All right, so you and I both sound pretty confident, mm -hmm. borderline cocky, I would say, uh, uh, about yeah, the St. John's Borderline on obnoxious on my end. Okay, well, speaking of that, let's go to Georgetown then. Oh. Um, so, 
You know, the long-running joke on this podcast and on the Marquette Twitter space is don't lose to DePaul, right? Right. It, it has been a joke for years. Really, it's now don't lose to Georgetown. Oh, please. Um, yeah, you, you just – it. Like, I call it the no-excuses game. There's no excuse I can make for losing to Georgetown. They have not won – a Big East, or they have not won a game against a, a power conference opponent uh, in over a year. Uh, what is it, 26 straight losses yep. between Big East play and then uh, non-conference opponents? Um, it because they went 0 and 19 in the Big East last year, lost the first round of the Big East tournament, and then they didn't beat anybody in the non-conference this year. Uh, I, I can't say it any more simply than that they're bad, Phil. And like, it, like I, you almost feel bad for them, but you don't because Georgetown's had their day, and boy, they're. Fans were sh- sure cocky when they were, but um, this is a team that again they're sitting at five and ten on the year, zero and four in the Big East. Uh, they are project. I mean, a lot of people are expecting them to go zero and twenty in the Big East. They, I mean, they have some guys that have talent. I mean, they did give Connecticut a game for a little while this year. That was but they ended up losing by 11 in the end. I think they might have even had a lead. or I don't know if they had the lead, but it was really close at halftime. But most of their games really aren't competitive either. No. Uh, like, they, they get blown out a lot. They, like, even if they you do have some guys that have some talent um, that were maybe four-star prospects or whatever in, in high school, uh, the collection has not worked. That's obviously on the coach. Uh, I, I'm not sure... The players believe in Ewing, and I'm not sure Ewing believes in his players. Um, it, it's just – it's a mess, Phil. And, like, this is not a team that you should have any – there should not be any reason you lose this team, especially not at home. Right. Absolutely. Well, and so one of the, the, the UConn, you know, fan folks, no escalators, has a running, I guess, gag. It feels more like, you know, punishment or, or some sort of water torture for uh, – for Georgetown fans, but has, has has a running series of tweets and points out that Georgetown has not won a a, a um, Big East conference game in front you know with fans involved since before COVID hit. Um, yeah. So it's been literally almost three years since Georgetown won a Big East conference game. Yeah. So yeah, over nineteen last year during the COVID season. What was their record that year in the Big East? Uh, seven. Oh, wow, they were seven and nine. How about that? Uh, that yeah, that was the year where they caught lightning in a bottle and won the Big East tournament. Correct. So, um, and then, yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a rough go for Patrick Ewing. He was five and ten in twenty twenty, and uh, yes, yeah, sitting zero and four so far. Um, I'll, I'll just again, there's when you look at. The, Ken Palm numbers, there's a lot of red there. They don't shoot the ball well. They don't rebound it particularly well. They're okay offensive rebounding. Uh, they turn it over. Actually, they don't turn it over that much offensively. I mean, they're in the top 100. Yay. Uh, they don't force turnovers at all defensively. I mean, this team has no defensive. My gosh, their defense on Ken Palm is 281 in the country. Yeah, that's so real this bad. This is legit. For a Patrick Ewing coach team to be that bad defensively, uh, you know, like it's similar to Wojo in that a guy who was known for defense, uh, like Wojo was known for defense as a player and he could not coach it worth a lick. You know, Patrick Ewing was great on both ends of the floor as a, as a player, of course. But um, the fact that he can't get his guys to play a lick of defense is quite frankly sad. Um, 
And yeah, like, is there anything that Georgetown does well, Phil, that even makes you a tiny bit nervous? Literally, the only thing is the rebounding. And, and like, not nervous in the sense that ooh, we got to watch out that we got to be careful we might lose this game. It makes me nervous in the sense of, well, I guess we might lose by or we might win by less than double digits. <laughs> you, you know? Like, it's, yeah, like for for net reasons, you want to blow this team out by yes. at least fifteen points, right? Right. That we have to. I mean, they're two o three. This is Georgetown, and I know this sounds awful to say this, but Georgetown is effectively a bye game. Yeah, yeah. Like it, <laughs> it is kind of your your week off. Yeah, right. you should say like, you know, like I get nervous talking too much smack sometimes because like the worst thing in the world for any team to do is to be the one that Georgetown finally gets one against. Right. And maybe they do get one against somebody this year. Please, <laughs> please, in the name of Odin, do not let it be Marquette. And there's no reason it should be. Right. Um, I, I mean, Georgetown the, might get blown out by Georgetown has to play Villanova on Wednesday. I, I, I believe Villanova is a good team and, and could, you know, should be able to blow the doors off of, off of Georgetown. Um, you know, Georgetown could, I don't know. There's, there's a question like, at what point does this, does Patrick Ewing get openly questioned by administration? Right? Like, you know, didn't they like give him a vote of confidence like just a few weeks ago? Yes, yeah, they did. Like they did. And it just boggles like, my mind. I, I, and I've, I've said many times, like Georgetown does not want to fat fire Patrick Ewing, no matter how bad it gets. And they don't want him like to, they don't want it to end during the season, like have him step down in January or something. But at some point, like everyone in that locker room or everyone like in, you know, that gym where they work out, they have to know the end is coming. Like, like I, can you, like, do you really think there's anybody on the roster that thinks, man, we're, we're real close. We just need a little time. We are just so close to getting this thing going. Yeah. Well, like, do you think any, no, no. anyone believes that? No. Did you, did you see the, the, the video clip from the end of the DePaul game where Georgetown closed it, hit a bucket to, to close within two with like 20 seconds left. And they just, the camera happened to zoom in on the, on the Georgetown bench and like, I, I, I've seen more tep, less tepid responses to like, you know, somebody going to get a root canal at the dentist. Like, like they just, oh, great, good. We're in one possession. Uh, what room service am I going to order when I get back? Yeah, yeah, like, it probably feels like a chore right. going on, especially going on the road. It's like, oh, got to go to Milwaukee this week. Yeah, they played in front of seven fans in Chicago, and they were like, <laughs> right, we're just over this. Please don't let it go to overtime. Yeah. So uh, that's, uh, again, we're confident – probably beyond cocky at this point when it comes to the Georgetown game. Just got to take care of business there. No excuses. Like, even a, a poor performance by Marquette should result in a 10-point win. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I will say this. If if this was a Wojo-coached team, I'd be real nervous about this game. Um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah like, because we saw plenty of uninspired performances during that era, yes. Yeah, so I... I do. I do think. I mean, this is a this is an interesting week. Again, they both both Marquette should absolutely be two and zero after this. But it is a bit of a trap game or a trap week because you've got Connecticut and Xavier. Yes. The following week, so there's l- looking too far ahead of potential. I, 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 yeah. Th- 
that would be the only th- that would really be the only thing that would have me concerned about Marquette is a complete lack of focus. Looking ahead to, all right, we got a top ten t- like Connecticut. Uh, I assume they will be losing their high ranking when the new polls come, but it can't they can't fall too far. But they'll probably be a top ten team still right. when they come to Milwaukee uh, on the eleventh. And uh, again, if you are in the area and haven't been to a Marquette game this year, thinking about going to a game. I would look into that Wednesday game again on the 11th against Connecticut. That'll be, I mean, one of the best teams in the country. We'll break down that one next week. But, uh, yeah, don't look ahead because, again, not just Connecticut next week, but Xavier after that, who may still be undefeated in the Big East mm-hmm. Yep. at that point. So, um, so yeah, Marquette should put itself in a position to be 5-1, and one, and we should hopefully, hopefully next week on this pod talk about the opportunity to really climb to the top of the league uh, with the games next week. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the focus here is two and zero, right? Like get get to five and one in the league. And if you think about it, even if you set back and go zero and two against Connecticut and Xavier, you're still sitting at five and three with a bunch of home games in front of you, a bunch of winnable games. You know, so I mean, Marquette has put itself in a good position. Now we we hope we broke it. We will break the the February March swoon. Uh, of late, but yes, but that'll be a topic for a future pod when, like, I feel like it's time to appropriately get nervous about it. Yes, but uh, until this team really gives me a reason to be nervous, I'm gonna like keep pushing that discussion down the road, right? Uh, because there really hasn't been a game this year yet. Yes, they've lost four games, but there hasn't been a game this year where I really thought they were sleepwalking through it. Like, right. like they just came out and played lousy or just look uninspired or like a performance that makes me really worried about the direction of the program. They haven't had a game like that this year. Yes, they've had losses, some of them frustrating, but um, the effort is always there, which is why fairly confident Tuesday and really supremely confident Saturday. Right. Yeah, and, and this team has shown a con- – uh, you know, yes, they're – there are inconsistencies in performance sometimes, but they, there's a consistent through line in the way this team performs. It, you know, can the offense go cold at times? Yes, but it doesn't stay cold forever. You know, does the defense, you know, lapse at times? Yes, but not forever. And and they've consistently performed against all but the best, you know, the best, you know, teams that they've faced, right? You know, they've, and even in the teams that they faced that they lost to, those weren't, you know, lackluster performances. It's it's more much more of the, oh, this one or two things didn't go our way, and that's why we lost. Versus, you know, versus, oh man, this, you know, that team was just completely outmatched from the start, and and I think that gives me the confidence that this team can do the things it's supposed to do. Yeah. So, hopefully, a two and a week, and then we can have a very optimistic and maybe buzz generating podcast next week as we look ahead to uh, Connecticut and Xavier. So, yeah, those, those are going to uh, be interesting conversations for sure. Those two opponents. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this thing up, Phil? No, I just, you know, hey, happy new year. We made it 2023. May it, may it be good? <laughs> Hope it doesn't suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Show that confidence right from the get-go. We love it. We love it. Hey, as always, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm Joe McCann 3. Phil is M O O O F 23. 
at CrackSidewalks to the team handle. You can go to CrackSidewalks.com. We post the podcast there. You can leave comments on CrackSidewalks.com. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, Phil, enjoy uh, your new your first week of 2023 and hopefully two easy wins. Yeah, let's let's get those wins, bank those away, and and really cruise into this 2023 on a on a high. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Seashells and balloons.